to the 15 to the 10. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield going for Hopkins. One-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20 at the 10. Touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. Well, you can see the lights at the end of the tunnel. One, two, two weeks until the starts of training camp. And B-Tran, I know this is, we've discussed this a lot here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Yes, you're anxious, you're excited, yet there's also that feeling of, all right, the grind and the physicality and getting your body ready for a regular season. So I understand for some players the, uh, I guess, bittersweet is how you describe this kind of time frame here in the middle of July? Well, it's just the unknown. You just don't know what camp is going to be about. You don't know how coach is going to approach it is it going to be a physical camp where he's going to have a lot of contact drills is he trying to set a tone from a physicality mindset uh, does he want this team to be more physical so they do more physical drills more physical uh type plays you know what i mean more nine on sevens more team and all that kind of stuff so you always worry about how sore you're going to be that's the only thing but once you get over yourself after the first practice and you get into the flow of it, then it just becomes camp as usual, and everybody's glad to be back. I think a lot of it, MJ, will be some familiarity now going into year three. I think, at least for those players that have been around, they'll know what to expect from head coach Cliff Kingsbury and on down the line, offense, defense, and special teams. And that's the beauty of you know having the same uh, head coach for three consecutive years, and you look at it, you know, some new faces. I mean, you know, Malcolm Butler, you know, Probably hasn't been over to the stadium. Maybe they did a flyover where he was. Well, he was in the stadium as a as a player. Yep. But I'm just saying now, from you know, they they're in the hotel, and they get a chance to practice indoors, you know, on on really good field. So there's a lot of benefits uh, when it comes to them training at State Farm Stadium. But at the same time, though, I think it's more for the younger players. This is where they're going to get their feet wet, and they're going to get more opportunities, reps, and then when they get to the preseason. But as for the starters and the depth guys, this is a time to kind of build the foundation and the groundwork and the trust and relationships. Well, let's touch on a couple of those young players, if you will, not just maybe that need to flash or make some noise during training camp, but just maybe those players that are on the cusp of really breaking out, whether that's you know rookie going into year two or a year two player going into year three, or maybe just a player that you know like a Dennis Gardak who just really resurfaced or surfaced for the first time a year ago. Now, of course, we got to wait until midseason to see him most likely back on the football field. But B-Train, when you look at this roster, whether it's an offensive player or a defensive player, is there a player that you're maybe a little bit more excited about that? you know what, I've seen enough of them to know that I think this is the year as they quote-unquote break out. Byron Murphy and Christian Kirk, I think both those young men really have to take that next step. We know that they can both play. They've both made plays for the Arizona Cardinals, but they've got to take that next step to be that leader, to be that player that you can count on series in, series out, that they're going to make plays to to help this team be successful. We, We know they have all the talent in the world. But now we want to see them really ascend to the top of the NFL. 
as as one of the top cornerbacks and one of the top wide receivers in all the games. And I think a lot with Christian Kirk, MJ, there will be a lot of eyes because it's a contract year. Now I think he understands where he's at as far as really needing to produce and knowing that he is going to be the slot corner for this football team. And there's competition now with Rondell Moore. And, again, Rondell Moore is going to get a chance to get his feet, as we talked about on special teams, you know, contract year, as you mentioned. It seems like if he could stay healthy, he could be a weapon in this offense. And they're counting on him. I mean, if you want to go three and four wide, they're going to need all four receivers to be healthy and be productive. And again, if they want to throw the ball, uh, the spread teams out, he's going to be a weapon and an option there. And going back to Byron Murphy, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think we all assume that, you know, Robert Alford's going to be the guy, but, you know, how does he look in camp? Uh, so Murphy's really your number one corner. So. Again, you can build a case for both Byron Murphy and Christian Kirk as breakout players for the upcoming season. When you look at that defense, I know a popular choice is Isaiah Simmons. People saw enough of him late last year to say, all right, you were trained in six different positions and now all of a sudden getting your feet wet, a full offseason, if you will, that maybe this is the year for Isaiah Simmons to break out. That's certainly the hope of the Cardinals. Recently, this offseason on the Big Red Rage, linebackers coach Bill Davis discussed Simmons and being able to use Simmons in a number of different positions. It is very, very frustrating for an offense to see Isaiah out there and not be able to identify his position. Is he the other safety? Is he the Sam backer? Is he the Mike? Is he a Mo? Those identifications to an offense has a lot to do with their protections, how their blocking scheme will unwind. So we find we get a pretty good advantage by moving him around a little bit as long as he can handle it. And he's proven, especially at the end of last season, that he absolutely can handle multiple positions. But the home base will be the inside mower dime linebacker. Played only 34% of the total defensive snaps last season. And MJ, he's going in as a starter. And those snaps, they're going to certainly be a lot more than 34%. He shouldn't come off the field. I mean, I, I know that he can be involved in your, your your dime packages, your nickel packages. He can be your base defense. So he shouldn't come off the field. And I, I would go with Isaiah Simmons. I just think he needed an entire offseason like everyone else. And you can start to see the upside towards the end of the year. I think he's got a little swag in him, not cocky, but he feels comfortable now that he's been in the system. He's going to get a chance to play in the preseason. And when you got J.J. Watt and a healthy Jordan Phillips and, and Chandler Jones and Buda Baker and Marcus Golden, I think he's going to be able to fly around and be that guy that they drafted eighth overall. B-Train, what did you see out of now number nine? He wore number 48 last season, but into the single digits going into 2021. Isaiah Simmons in year one, what stood out to you that maybe you maybe share that same confidence as the coaches do and MJ as far as maybe this is the year for Isaiah Simmons to really break out? The one thing that you saw was elite athletic ability. You see a guy that could do a lot of different things. You saw him with the interceptions. You saw him with the sacks. You saw him running down quarterbacks, running down running backs, running down wide receivers. But I think the fact that he's wearing a single digit now is significant to how many different positions he needs to learn. He just needs to learn one. And the, the less he has to think out there, the more productive a player like Isaiah Simmons is going to be. I understand that you, you, you want to get him in and, and put him in a lot of different situations for the defenses and or for the offenses to try to figure out where he's going to be, but I respectfully disagree with my old coach in that I think the, the less you put on him and you give him one assignment and he can go and do that at full speed, I think that's when you start to truly get the most 
out of Isaiah Simmons, and that's where he starts to really blossom as one of those athletic linebackers that you see here in the NFL. I think that was the plan last year when they said we're going to you know slow play him weak side, and then you, you know you had Jordan Hicks, you had Devondre Campbell. So I don't think, but when it comes to Collins, we know he's strictly going to learn one position, and this is allows you know a, a positionless player. You see it around the league. I mean, Jamal Adams, he's playing in the box a lot of times. He's a safety. Buda Baker. So I think this is what they drafted him for, to be a racer and do different things. Now, we haven't really seen him rush the quarterback, so it's more in coverage, tackling on the on the sidelines. One thing that stood out to me, and you know, during training camp when they, he was hitting the bag, I'm like, I want to see a little bit more from him. But he, on the football field, he is very physical, and he's not afraid to hit. Another player now in single digits, and we referenced him earlier, was B-Train's defensive player that he expects to break out this season. That would be Byron Murphy. Well, it's not just B-Train that is certainly looking forward to seeing Murphy on the football field wearing number seven this year. How about defensive coordinator Vance Joseph has certainly high expectations for Byron Murphy? I think it starts with Murphy. You know, I mean, he's been the mainstay for three years, but he's played a lot of snaps, and you can see his growth. He's so much more comfortable. He's growing into his body. He's working. He knows the system. Um, he can be a special player for us, and he can be one of our better players on defense. And that was in reference to the cornerback position because it was your question. MJ asked to Coach Joseph, when you look at the depth at corner and you bring up the new names, Malcolm Butler, Darquez Denard, the rookies, Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan, Coach Joseph immediately pointed to Byron Murphy. And I think a lot of people believe that just because he is he is that most experienced guy in a Cardinals uniform in the cornerback's room. Let's quickly switch over to the offense of side. And it's it's a theme here on this opening segment of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Single digits, Chase Hedmonds now wearing number two. He is certainly going in, much like Christian Kirk, into a contract year. There is a lot on the table for Chase Edmonds and his position coach, James Saxon, earlier on the Big Red Rage, believes that Edmonds has what it takes to be RB1. Probably one of the smartest guys we've ever been around. The guy's uh, not only a phenomenal above-the-neck person and just a personable human, he's an excellent athlete. And the guy's got it's self-confidence it's just, that just oozes out of him. And everybody around that, the building just kind of gravitates toward him. And uh, it's good for our team. I'll say this. I mean, he's waited for this opportunity. You know, recently did a story on azcardinals.com just talking about, hey, you don't know when your number is going to be called. They moved on from David Johnson. They move on from Kenyon Drake. The thing is, is he going to get enough opportunities because he's not only going to be able to run the ball between the tackles, he's going to be involved in the passing game. But when you get to short yardage, they're going to probably use James Conner. But he is he's a weapon. He's one of the top four, three or four players on offense besides the quarterback. So – He's been waiting for this opportunity, and I think in the perfect world, the Cardinals would like to extend him instead of drafting a running back in the first or second round because they believe in him in the future. The question for Edmonds, and he knows this, B-Train, is can he sustain a full season? Can he be that starting running back? And yeah, I think they're going to split carries with James Conner, but Edmonds wants to be a starter. He wants to get starting reps. He wants to get 20 touches. It doesn't have to be 20 carries, but in that 20-touch category, whether it's running the football or catching the football, can he sustain that when he's a little undersized at 5'9", 210? Well, he may be undersized, but I don't think you can ever judge the size of a man's heart. And every time we've seen him be on the field, he's made things happen. And I think he's earned the right to get more of a workload. And until he shows that he can't, I think he deserves the right to be given a shot to do it and to prove it. So 
I, I, I fully expect Chase Edmonds to go out there and have a, a really good season. Uh, the more touches, ideally, the more production. And I, I really think that everybody on the team is rooting for him. And, and it's just a matter of him getting the opportunities and, and uh, having enough uh, opportunities as far as the scheme. You know, you got to get those receivers the ball because th- those, those are going to be mismatches out there on the edges. But you also have to let that offensive line do what they do best, and they want to go forward and push guys around. And so Chase Edmonds knows that. I think Coach uh, knows that as well. And, and, and everybody wants to establish that physical-style run. And I think Chase Edmonds would definitely benefit from that if they're able to come in and, and do that right away. It's interesting when you hear James Saxon there talk about his smarts. I, former running backs coach Kirby Wilson fell in love with uh, Chase Edmonds, went to his pro day, kept in contact with him. So the Cardinals had a, a lot of interest in him, and maybe he was flew under the radar going into the draft. Last season, Edmonds averaged 4.6 yards per carry, had the third most catches on the team, and that's something that I think we'll see a lot, especially if you see Edmonds and James Conner on the field together, one in the backfield being Conner and then Edmonds perhaps lined up as a wide receiver, but certainly a lot of players on this 2021 Arizona Cardinals team that could be poised for breakout seasons. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit azcardinals.com slash game ticks. That's azcardinals.com slash game T-I-X. As we continue here, Craig Rayolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry, the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Dalton takes the snap, fakes a handoff, rolls right, Lots of time got to fire him. deep down got the field. Him. A.J. Green is open. He's got oh, it at the line baby. 40. Yeah. Running down the field to the 30. Nobody's going to catch A.J. Green as the Bengals Woo. go 82 yards. The longest catch of Adriel <laughs> Jeremiah Green's spectacular NFL career. All right, I got to admit, I did not know what the A and J stood for. And A.J. Green, thank you to the Bengals Radio Network. I wonder if Dave Pash will say that on the broadcast this season. Maybe Ron Wolfley as well. But yes, A.J. Green, after 10 years with the Cincinnati Bengals, now wearing a Cardinals uniform. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. And this is someone that, well, regardless of who it was going to be, B-Train, this team needed to add a number two wide receiver. That was something that was immediately discussed at season's end and then certainly in the weeks following the regular season because Kyler Murray in this offense, they needed another playmaker. And I, I just didn't think that that was someone that was going to be an internal candidate. You needed to go out and look for someone. And in free agency, the Cardinals targeted A.J. Green, a veteran, and someone now you look at the pairing of Hopkins on one side, Green on the other. I like that, at least on paper. Yeah, I really like it a lot, too. And I, I know a lot of people are going to be apprehensive because of the injury history of A.J. Green. But I don't think that that's going to matter very much. I think once he understands what his body is capable of and not capable of uh, as a 10-year vet, I think now he can get into a regimen that's going to make him available for the entire 17-game season. And when you pair him up with DeAndre Hopps, I, I just I, I can only imagine what the possibilities can be. But I also think this sends a message to those younger receivers that are on the roster currently. And, and when you think that you're in a good spot and, and your spot is pretty solidified, then they bring in a guy that is automatically going to be the number two uh, one, you upgrade your offense, but two, you send a message to that receiving room that, hey, 
we weren't happy with the production that we got from this room. So we needed to bring in another guy. And if we don't continue to see the same results, then we're going to start subtracting some of the guys that are in that room. So I think the message was sent loud and clear. And I think it accomplished all that it was meant to do in, in upgrading the talent level and getting the attention of those younger receivers. Green turns 33 later this month, July 31st, by the way. So an early happy birthday to A.J. Green. Before we get MJ's thoughts on how much Green has left in the tank, something that we've asked a lot about when these new free agent acquisitions are introduced because they're all in their early 30s and all have a number of years already under their belts. Green asked specifically when he was introduced, how much does he feel he has left in the tank? I feel like I have a lot left in the tank. You know, I still feel feel young. Legs feel young. You know, last year was a difficult year for me playing with uh, these different quarterbacks coming off an injury. But, you know, I wouldn't change that for anything in the world. I think that, that made me a better person, you know, on the field, mentally stronger. But I know I feel like I got a lot more years left in me. Played all 16 games last year. They started off with Joe Burrow. They went to Ryan Finley and then Brandon Allen. Yes, it'd be frustrating towards the end of the year, but he was a pro. Um, you know, he looked back at his career there. He was a top pick, a top five pick, I want to say, because uh, he was fourth overall. I think Patrick Peterson was fifth that year. He looks the part. I mean, he's he's tall, skinny receiver. I got a chance to reach out to Roy Green. Roy used to work out with um, with A.J. Green and Julio Jones, and Roy thinks he can really help the offense. I mean, I think he's good on the 50-50 balls, the comeback routes. He's a, he's a long strider. But he can make up for it with his 50-50 balls and then coming back for the ball. And if he can get behind a DB, I'm not saying the speed's there, but I'll take my chances with him. They didn't, as you guys pointed out, they didn't have a number two receiver on the roster. And this is going to do wonders for this offense where if Kyler's looking at Hop and he's covered, all of a sudden you got another guy you can throw to. And then in a certain situation, you got a, hopefully a guy in the flat in, in the slot. So I think they're going to have options if Kyler can get protection. You heard Green in that soundbite talk about the difficult year. MJ, you referenced it as well, three different quarterbacks. So you look at Green's numbers last season, 47 catches, a career low, 523 receiving yards, a career low, two touchdowns. But again, I think B-Train, if you have some stability at the quarterback position, those numbers certainly are going to increase and we know D-Hop is going to be the man he is going to get his targets he's going to get his catches I do think A.J. Green's at his point in his career where he doesn't mind not being the guy or not being number one that he just at this point he just wants to win yeah he wants to win but I also I I gotta say I I really hate the question when people ask a 10-year plus veteran how much do you think you have left in the tank? I mean, what do you expect the guy to say? I, no, I, I think, man, I'm running, I'm running on E. I need to go to the nearest gas station and fill up, man, because I just don't know if I got. Nothing pisses you off more than the guys asking you, what do you still have left in the tank? I mean, you're not coming to steal money. Like he obviously thinks that he can come in and be of value, and I think all that does is just fuel the fire for AJ Green to really work out this off season and get ready for, for camp and, and, and for 2021 to have a huge comeback season because uh, I'm, I'm telling you, athletes don't like to be told that they're too old or do you really think that you can play? I mean, how much do you really think you got left in the tank? Come on now. And, and I believe, at, you know, they look at his age, they look at how many games he's missed, they look at the numbers and, you know, oh, how much you got left in the tank. Well, listen, 
if you get a chance to watch him, you're going to see how much he has left in the tank. Again, uh, they didn't have to go out and spend $12 million, $16 million on wide receivers. You know, if he plays well enough, I'm sure he'd like to be here next year. Well, if we're not asking Green how much he has left in the tank, we're asking former teammates how much Green might have left in the tank. Frosty Rucker, former teammate of A.J. Green's, former Arizona Cardinal, guest on the Big Red Rage this offseason, asked specifically about Green and what Green might be able to do here in 2021. Well, I think A.J. Green has a lot left. I think his time was just up in Cincinnati playing on turf, practicing on turf and, you know, sub-zero temperatures in December and things like that. I think uh, it was his time to break loose of that. He's a pro Bowl player, top of the game, a guy that can really go up and get the ball, great teammate, never hear anything bad about him. Uh, the receiver group is just getting stronger. And if A.J. gets enough footballs this year, he may just be comeback player of the year. That would certainly be an eye-opener considering all that Green has done already in his career. Seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time second-team All-Pro. But regardless of how much we think or even A.J. Green thinks he has left in the tank, the Cardinals believe he has a lot left in the tank. And probably that side of Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, the one that is most excited about A.J. Green being a member of the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. I expect AJ to have a big year. I know, you know, I know a lot of people sleep on him. I know a lot of things have been said about, you know, him maybe not being able to do it anymore, or whatever. Uh, we don't really care about that. I, you know, I ignore all that. You know, I'm glad he's on the team. I mean, we have we have a great receiving room, more weapons than I can ask for. You look, B Train, Hopkins, AJ Green. Not only are they number one and number two, or one A, one B with the Cardinals, but you're talking about AJ Green being one of the better wide receivers this game has seen over the last decade. And now all of a sudden, he's coming in to help Kyler Murray and this offense and this team take that next step. And the thing that you really bank on, you bank on the respect that he's going to garner from opposing defensive coordinators because, as you said, he's earned his stripes. In his 10 years, he's been a very productive wide receiver. And when he was on the field, uh, you you saw him be one of the top, arguably four wide receivers in all the games. So just on respect factor alone, you're going to see coverages roll towards him at times, and uh, they're going to have to play it straight because you can't go all the way towards D-hop and then leave him one-on-one with, you know, a, a number two or three corner because he's going to eat him alive. So I love the fact that you're going to have to pick your poison with this offense and you're going to have to play it straight because that opens up everything. It opens up the running game. It opens up the passing lanes. And I really believe that everybody is going to benefit from this, especially the skill position players. But most definitely those those big guys up front, I, I keep going back to them. They're going to get to, to go forward and, and push people around. And I'm telling you, offensive linemen love nothing more than to do just that. Yes, they can pass protect, but when they get the opportunity to run forward and knock people on their backside, uh, they relish those opportunities. I've mentioned this throughout the offseason. Two guys come to mind here, and you know Rodney Hudson clearly, you know, I don't know how things worked out towards the end, but I'm glad he's on the Cardinals. But I look at J.J. Watt and A.J. Green, and they're hitting that reset button in their careers. And B-Train's right. The weather, they play on you know one of the greatest uh, surfaces in the NFL. Uh, they're going to be indoors for training camp. So body-wise, when they wake up in the morning, they won't be feeling those bones when you have cold weather. And if you, if I had a guess right now going into camp, I look at the top six receivers, I would say Hopkins, Green. I'm going to put Kirk in there, slash Rondell Moore. 
And then I think it's Keyshawn Johnson. I still think Andy Isabella is in the mix, but I don't know if he's going to be active on game day, depending how much they drop. But we'll, we'll let it all play out. There could be some other guys that flash. But again, they could put 16 guys on the practice squad. So I do think some of these young receivers could end up on the practice squad. But to beat Train's points at the start of this segment, you go outside to look for a wide receiver. And they didn't just do it with A.J. Green. They did it with Rondell Moore. So it does speak to what they already had in-house as far as those young receivers that you just referenced, MJ. So, yeah, uh, we're going to be paying attention a lot to what Andy Isabella is doing or not doing, Keyshawn Johnson, what he's doing or not doing, how much opportunity and what do they do with their opportunity. And I'm looking forward to watching Sean Jefferson, the new wide receivers coach. We'll see what he can get out of Isabella. I'm hearing good things on Keyshawn Johnson. Maybe he's learning from A.J. Green because, to me, he would be the backup on the outside behind Green. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We have hit halftime here on this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report with you year-round Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. When we come back, well... We'll talk more offense. Again, it's B-Train's favorite topic. We'll get into that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. It's a run play right side. Big hole Edmonds, 25-20, 10-5 touchdown. The inside zone being run and Chase Edmonds found the hole into the house, baby. Gives it to Connor, sweeps the left side, got a block at the 10, Connor to the 5, Connor to the goal line and in for the touchdown. James Connor. Explosive, just the weapons that we have. Chase doing his thing already, and so, you know, watching film, I'm like, man, this dude, he can he can ball, and I want to, you know, learn from him, be a part of it, get to work with him. You know, ain't no telling. I can't predict nothing, but I know what I can guarantee is I'm going to come in here and work day in and day out, put my head down and grind, and, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. So, 17-game season, I'm looking forward to it. The voice of James Conner after eight years in Pittsburgh, first in college, then four seasons with the Steelers, now – James Conner, a member of the Arizona Cardinals, as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Real, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. We discussed Conner and Chase Edmonds as far as Edmonds being potentially one of those players to break out. But big picture here, gentlemen, as we talk Edmonds and Conner with respects to the run game. And just looking at the numbers, MJ, this is a very good run offense under head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Last year, tied for eighth as far as rushing yards per carry, seventh best in the league as far as rushing yards per game. It's when you kind of dive deeper and look at the numbers as far as what they did on a week-in and week-out basis, the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, that consistency, that running game consistency lacked, and I think it did uh, ultimately derail the entire offense overall. I would agree with that because when they were able to win at the line of scrimmage, Kyler was able to get some more time and, and a little play action, and that's towards the end of the season they started moving Hopkins around. And he had some other guys step up, including Dan Arnold. But for the most part, I mean, when I look at Connor, I mean, he's got great size. It's a little deceiving when you see him without the pads on, or I guess when he's got the helmet, 6'1", 233. Um, so he's only 26 years old. Clearly, uh, he knows his role here. Uh, I, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, Chase has earned the opportunity, but 
can he carry the load? That's going to be the question. But I think they have a really good one-two punch. And then I look at Jonathan Ward. He was active last year. He's going to play on teams. And then what's going to happen with Eno Benjamin? I mean, he's a guy that they drafted in the seventh round and was on the roster inactive. Um, he's got to play on special teams. But it, I think right now you can pencil in the top three guys, and I would think Jonathan Ward's ahead of Eno Benjamin. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Here are the numbers last season, B-Train, as far as the first nine games, this offense averaged better than five yards on the ground a carry. Last seven games, that number dropped under four. 3.75 yards per carry, and you have to be able to run the football. I know it's a passing league. We joke a lot about it here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report that it's all about the quarterback, but you have to have some semblance of a running game, and I think those final seven games, what was the record? Well, the Cardinals were 2-5. and five. Yeah, and I think also you look at the health of the quarterback who they really utilized in that running game, which really made that running game so dynamic because you had a a running a running quarterback in Kyler Murray, a guy who could pick up yardage. And once he went down with injury, everything sort of changed. So I think you had to bring in James Conner to take some of that pressure off of Kyler Murray and not put him in harm's way so much. Not to say that he's uh, injury prone, but you, you just don't want your franchise quarterback having that many opportunities to take shots to the body. And and him not being the biggest guy in the world, well, it, it just makes that point even greater. So I, I think having uh, – James Conner in here to go with the Chase Edmonds, I, I really feel like that one-two punch is going to really take a lot of the pressure off of Kyler Murray having to be that 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 added element, if you will, in order to make this running game go. So uh, I think it's a welcome addition, and I think it's really smart and prudent for the Cardinals to go in that direction. We know there were times when they struggled on you know third and inches or fourth and one or two, but it seems like when they got in the red zone this year, they were they were getting more uh, touchdowns and field goals to the prior year. And you look at the numbers, 22 rushing touchdowns, fourth most in the league. To me, the magic number, and you, you wouldn't think this from a Cliff, Carey, uh, Cliff Kingsbury offense, I always think 30 rushes a game. That's kind of the problem. They're averaging 29.9, uh, which is sixth most. And a lot of those numbers are, include Kyler Murray, but – that to me, you're never going to have 50-50 balance. But the fact is, people just think that they want to throw the football. No, they want to win at the line of scrimmage and then rely on their defense to force turnovers. A lot of people focusing on this offense and just what to expect in year three. And it's not just us talking, but Rob Fredrickson, our colleague on pregame and postgame shows, a guest of the Big Red Rage this offseason, asked about his ideal offensive identity for the Cardinals. I actually want to see a, uh, this offense gain an identity, and and I think personally it starts with the running game. I want I want to see more downhill running. I want to see more under center, uh, but that's just me personally. That's I just think there's so many more things. Harumph. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think there's so many more things you can do when you're under center, and it doesn't have to be all the time. Twenty fifteen snaps a game. Let's do some things where uh, that running game really starts to establish things, and then you're going to see guys like. Rondell Moore really exploit things coming out of play action over the middle. Rob and Ron Wolfley, big proponents of wanting to see Kyler Murray under center. And I I, I don't know if I would go that far, B-Train. I just don't want to see Kyler Murray to be the focal point of the running game. He had a lot of carries, a lot of rushing yards, a lot of rushing touchdowns, and that's all well and good. But it can't begin with him. It's got to begin with Chase Edmonds. It's got to begin with James Conner. And then Kyler Murray supplements the offense with his legs. 
I mean, you just look at Coach Coogs. I mean, you know he's going to want to be physical. You know he's going to want to run the ball. I mean, just look at Coogs. I mean, he's a big physical guy himself. So, of course, and he coaches the offensive line. So, of course, he wants those guys to, to be front and center and, and, and really lead the way for this offense. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's old school football. If somebody can run the ball down your throat, there's no need to, throw, to pass the ball because you can control the game, you can give your defense all the rest that it needs, and you can control the clock by running the football. So the, the quickest way to demoralize the defense is just have another team line up on offense and just ram it down their throat all game long. And eventually you're going to fade, you're going to crack, and you're going to, you're, you're going to go belly up because you just get tired of that constant punishment. And so the fact that they are going to have him under center, which allows those running – those blocking schemes to really flourish and keep Kyler out of harm's way. I, I think that makes the most sense for everybody because we know if Kyler is healthy, he can take that next step as a quarterback and this offense will be all the better for it. So why put him in harm's way if you don't really have to? And if this team can get a lead, MJ, especially in that third quarter, fourth quarter, then yes, the running game becomes more prevalent. The clock keeps moving. And you know, as B-Train pointed out earlier in the show, offensive linemen would much rather move forward than move backwards. So I do think if you can play with the lead more times than not, they will, we, we will see a running game. I couldn't agree more, and, and that's that's the idea. I mean, this team has trailed, and and you know, usually in the fourth quarter, to you know, maybe they're not as conservative as they were going into the game, and they start going back to the plays that worked in the first three quarters. So, yeah, I mean, if you get a lead by a two possession game in the fourth quarter, eight minutes to go, you control the game now. I mean, and you're keeping their opposing offense off on on the sidelines and your defense is ready to get back out there so and that's where you're just playing for field position two possession game in the fourth quarter you run down their throats and getting back to Edmonds and Connor the splits as far as who carries and how many touches each of them gets it's important to have at least two running backs you can count on regardless of how you split the carries here's head coach Cliff Kingsbury you know James brings a tough physical downhill um, running attack that he's been a proven, uh, you know, tough yard runner in this league since he, he got into it. And the, the thing I, I like most about him and Chase is their approach to the game. They're as serious as you can be out on that field, uh, ultra competitors, and, and they're going to push each other and give us a, a real one-two punch that I think is going to really help us. We've heard Kingsbury in the past B-Train talk about riding the hot hand whenever touches and carries get brought up with respects to the running back position. And Kenyon Drake was big on that, that he got better, he got stronger as the game moved on, especially into the second half. You look at his splits, he was a much better runner in the second half versus the first half, but those carries in the first half are just as important because they set up things for you offensively. How do you see the running back room working as far as who gets the touches? Uh, or does it even, at this point, it doesn't even matter as long as you're moving the chains each and every series? Well, I think both individuals are professionals, Chase Edmonds and James Conner. They both want to win. At this stage in their careers, they understand it's not always about the stats individually, it's about the stats collectively. And I, I look at a scenario where you see a Chase Edmonds start the game. He's a, a guy that you can leave in on third down. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. But then once you get to the second half, and, and as you guys have talked about, playing with the lead, then you bring in a bruiser like a James Conner who can really just wear you down. Once the defensive linemen have started to get heavy legs and they've got their hands on their hips, now you bring in a physical bruising type of runner like James Conner uh, to really put the game away. And I think that's going to be a formula that ultimately that they would want to implement 
but they've got to be able to get those points on the board and the defense and special teams have to come along to the party as well and make sure that they get off to a fast start in the first half to allow that that type of um, low cheering to, to really come to fruition as far as uh, between the two of them. I like what Kingsbury said, tough downhill runner. They missed that last year in Kenyon Drake. He was dancing. He was trying to hit the hole and get to the second layer. Now, to me, I think a lot's going to come down to down and distance. I mean, Chase Edmonds could be your first and second down back, but as B-Train pointed out, he's very effective in pass protection. He can catch the ball in the backfield. But if I'm in third and one or fourth and one, I want my bruiser out there. And, you know, I'm I'm really intrigued what Rondell Moore is going to be able to do in the from the backfield. I know – you know, Kyler in the pistol, the RPO, the zone read, that's where the play action, if, if he can get the defense to suck in, you know, the first seven seven players on, on the front seven uh, biting on the ball, so to speak, I, I think Rondell Moore is going to be a weapon. And it could be a screen pass, could be a bubble screen, uh, a slant pass off the, off the line of scrimmage. So I'm really intrigued how he's going to be because he's going to get some touches. And it might be in unique, creative situations. Kingsbury even brought that up after Rondell Moore was drafted based off how Purdue used Moore and certainly whether you're lining him up in the backfield and handing the ball off but he can certainly as you mentioned come across the motion or come across the line of scrimmage and being handed the ball off that way. Um, It's you know you have all this time to prepare and what looks good on paper now that's what training camp is for, the preseason, to see how this all fits together. And the Cardinals certainly want to make sure that they're running the football effectively all season long, not just in the first half like they were last year. Single game tickets, Bird Gang, on sale now. Visit azcardinals.com slash gameticks. That's azcardinals.com slash gametix. When we come back, Cardinals flight plan. Uh, if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend episode three we'll get into the details next here on the arizona cardinals radio network yeah baby we back we back at it again baby we back at it again bird gang let's get it it's that time baby it's that time it's kind of like that first day of school you know just getting back out there i love it i had to come back here man i had something to prove i mean we have more weapons than i can ask for things coming out clean today 18, you can still really go. What we got here today is the third annual O-line cook-off. Nobody works harder than Dennis. I don't think there's anybody that had a concern that he would bounce back. The injury is just an opportunity to prove how bad I want it now now that I got my taste. I like that we got hungry guys, man. Hungry dog always runs faster. Another phenomenal episode of the Emmy award-winning series Cardinals Flight Plan Season 4 Episode 3 and we'll get to the entertainment here in a moment but some information coming out of this episode of Cardinals Flight Plan again if you have not seen it or if you want to watch it again go to the Cardinals official YouTube channel youtube.com slash AZ Cardinals then just hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes here this offseason but uh, I'm going to point to two different things MJ and then you can kind of direct on how you want to go one was the footage of Christian Kirk and Cliff Kingsbury talking about Kirk playing inside 
And then it was general manager Steve Kime discussing Kingsbury as his growth as a head coach, which we've heard you mention as well. We're seeing Kingsbury spend time not just with the quarterbacks or offense, but moving around a lot during OTAs and minicamp. Defense, special teams, becoming more of that head coach. And I think that's just, you know, getting more, uh, you know, more experience but at the end of the season there was disappointment in the building and so you have to do a self-evaluation and you know we know that he was hired because he's an innovative play caller but there's more to being a head coach and I noticed it right away in the off-season workouts I mean actually he's he's on the flight plan where he's mentioning 27 and 43 which are defensive players um yeah, he, he to me, this is what, what a head coach does. Now, I think because of Kugler getting the promotion and Cam Turner being the quarterback's coach, he doesn't need to be with Kyler Murray every single day in practice. Now, the first couple of years, they were attached at the hip. Um, they're going to be attached at the hip for a long time. Uh, hopefully, you know, they're getting in the playoffs. But I, I do think that he realizes he's got a good staff. He can delegate some stuff versus taking everything on his plate. And um, I, I was it was noticeable to me and – Steve Kime was out there, so he must have noticed the same thing. 27 and 43, Jamal Carter, Donald Rutledge, respectively. A couple of inside linebackers maybe trying to make their mark on this team to get on that 53-man roster. Going back to Christian Kirk B. Train, what we heard was Kingsbury asking Kirk, you feel good out there? And then adding, I think it's going to be good, meaning it's going to be good for a year and for for Christian Kirk. And I do think it's going to mean something that Christian Kirk knows that I can just focus as an inside guy. Maybe that's where my touches are going to be because you've got Hopkins on one side and Green on the other to where Christian Kirk has a role offensively. I know for Christian, he's just going to want the opportunity to get on the field, whether it's inside, whether it's outside or even taking snaps from the quarterback he, or from the center. He just wants to be on the field at this point. He, he's been frustrated up until this point not being on the field as much as he would like, and he hears all the talk about people saying, well, was he a bust? Was he a guy that, that they're going to have to move on from? He, he hears that. He may not uh, address it and acknowledge it publicly, but, I mean, you always hear that talk as, a, as an athlete. And so he's going to want to go out there and, and play as hard as he can and as well as he can no matter where they line him up. And I think for him, he's got to have that mentality. He can't be so concerned about the specifics of it. Just, hey, coach, get me out on the field. I'm going to go make something happen. Now, the entertainment of this episode number three of Cardinals Flight Plan, which, by the way, titled Winning Recipe, and it was what you heard in that trailer was DJ Humphreys talking about the third annual offensive line cook-off and B-Train for the – Apparently, for the third straight year now, Humphreys is winning this cook-off with his world-famous banana pudding. I have not tasted it as of yet, so I've got to ask, have you sampled some of this banana pudding that, uh, well, apparently is a real hit here at the uh, Cardinals facility? No, and I'm offended. I, I, as, as a guy that I consider DJ a good friend, I mean, to not be given a little taste, a little sample, I mean, what's up, bro? I mean, I can't be down? I mean, I... I know we play on opposite sides of the ball, but, I mean, you know, I got love for the big fellas. I'm a big fella. We just happen to do it on, on, on different sides of the ball. So, now you know I'm, I'm from the South. You know I love me some banana pudding. I mean, hook a brother up, please. Offended. I, I like that word. Next time I run into Humphreys, I'm going to say I'm offended. B-Train and I, we're offended we're not a part of this. MJ, I, I, we need to get involved in this next offseason. Good luck. <laughs> now, I will say this. Uh, it was very entertaining because uh, you had uh, – Michael Bidwell in there, Steve Kime, and, and then they have a you know judging contest, and, and Sean Kugler's up there on the dryer race board, and he's t- 
tallying up the votes and and you know you got Kyler Murray in the background you know giving his uh, his thoughts and what, what was the line where when Kugler said about the depth chart. Yeah, the uh, quote to kind of wrap up the episode, the depth charts will be changed based <laughs> on the voting, end quote. So obviously b Train Kugler did not win as Humphreys has the bragging rights. But, hey, if Humphreys is not your starting left tackle to start a training camp, b Train, we know why. Yeah, absolutely. But we got bigger problems. I mean, yeah, we talk all fun and games, but if he's not, and I'm not sure if the agenda is to try to win because he's definitely one of your better <laughs> offensive linemen, especially at the left tackle. So it's all we love food and and we like to laugh and joke, but let's get real. We 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 need DJ on that field. B train, real quick though, it was good to see at the end of this offseason OTA's minicamp that you had everyone together and then kind of the final send off into the offseason. Yeah, I mean, you, you just want to see these guys go out and, and, and just be smart. Be smart when you have this time. Don't be that guy. We've always talked about that. And, and uh, Make sure you're spending time with family because, you know, you're going to be away from them. And, and just make good decisions. Man. Keep yourself in shape. And just don't be that guy that you see on the bottom line of ESPN or other sports out there. Well, as we said, training camp right around the corner, two weeks away. And we will talk about it here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Jeff Darge. For Mike Jarecki, Bertrand Berry, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. It's the Cardinals Red Sea Report every Tuesday, year-round, 11 a.m., right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.